Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I knew what I was going to do was going to be very special with my life. I'm an example just to show people that like, you come up from nothing. Prince had dedicated his whole legacy to celebrating women, celebrating women of color, and celebrating positive music. I'm going to uphold that. You're your own worst critic. I feel like you should be it anyways, but I, I'm always that, and I was just hating my song, so I was hating myself. Some people are at their cubicle job right now making way less than us. Some people are across the world in a goddamn sweatshop making like nothing a day, and we're getting paid to sing and dance. To sing and dance, that's a blessing. Artists out here, they're just willing to settle for anything. You know what I mean? And once you're willing to settle for anything, you deserve anything you settle for. Yo, this young murder. Yo, this is Lizzo. This is August Regal. What's good? It's Kehlani. This is your man, Blake Carrington. You're listening to The Come Up Show. Get inspired. Hey, welcome to The Come Up Show podcast. My name is Cheddar. I'm the host and founder of The Come Up Show. And my guest today on The Come Up Show podcast, all the way from Miami, in my yayo, he goes by the name of Sylvan the Q. And I caught up with Sylvan on his Toronto stop of the Bucket List Tour with Saba. And I really appreciated his music and his performance. I got a lot of positive energy from him that Saba brings to the stage. And this interview was also on that vibe. And it was really heartfelt because Sylvan shared with us an eight-page handwritten letter that a fan gave him that night on how Sylvan's music saved his life. Sylvan Acue on the Come Up Show podcast. Let's go! Please introduce yourself. I go by the name of Sylvan Lequeux from a small place called Miami, Florida. Hip-hop artist, or just artist, or musical artist. I would like to say so. can have it all as long as I try. Little did I notice everything I wanted always inside. Envious assumptions are too hard to function. Dopamine consumption, 90 compliments, and ego-driven lunches. All the female corruption. Grave. It's not that small. Oh, well, you know. It's, uh, you know. All right, it's not that I had small. A, I had a stopover in Miami, and, like, going <laughs> everywhere there is, like, people are rolling in Phantoms and Rolls Royces. Like, balling is just a habit over there. Miami, yeah, the culture in Miami is definitely, um, you know, I'm going to outdo you at all costs. Like, that's what it's all about. I'm going to look better. I'm going to feel better, and I'm going to make sure that you know that I am better than you. It's Miami culture, man. Always is. Always is. Starting down Ocean Drive. Yo, yeah. always is, man. At any cost, literally at any cost, I'm gonna, I'm gonna outshine you. It's wild, man. Love Miami though. It's my home. Love them. And the funny thing is though, like when you think about Miami artists and it being South and the Rick Rosses and the Pitbulls and and and. If I was going to interview Pitbull, I'd bring up the old Pitbull, though. Yeah. Like, the gangster Pitbull. Because people don't even know about that, though. Yeah, yeah. The, the OEA Pitbull. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, we remember um, Pitbull from, like, 2001. Like, mixtape Pitbull. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even before that, he was yeah. rolling around with Trick. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And doing, like, a bunch of, like, obscure, like, uh, concerts or whatnot. He started popping with OEA, though. He had the uh, Fast and Furious soundtrack. Mm-hmm. He had a record called OEA, my man. He used to have the dreads and the gold teeth and the tank tops. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah, damn it, man. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he, he yeah. was he was really out here. Like, we yeah. all know, like, Pitt for, like, being out here in these streets just hustling in Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, legit. 
You know, until right now, oh, well, I guess the, the, the Miami, staying on Miami for a second, when you think about, yeah, Rick Ross, the South, like, you don't sound like a typical artist from Miami or yeah. from the South. Like, how did it get, that come to be? And, like, you know, and what, what do you think of that? Um, I think it just came, came down to my influences. Uh, you know, my, I mean, you know, you're from Miami, so you always hear, like, the Rosses and, you know, the Pits and Trick Daddy and, you know, you, you hear you hear all the legends and all the uh, influences are from Miami. And I had that a big part of my um, growing up. But the bigger part of my growing up was, you know, Jay-Z and Nas. And, you know, a, a lot of that time between, like, the 90s and, like, the early 2000s, you know, East Coast rap was still prominent and dominant. You know, we, they were selling the most records uh, prior to, you know, Lil Jon and, like, the East Side Boys and, like, the South starting to make a resurgence in, like, the early 2000s. So that's who I was listening to. That's who we were all listening to. I just kind of hung on to that. And rap and lyricism became something that was very prominent to me. So, mm-hmm. you know, my heroes were Nas. My heroes were Jay-Z, Lupe Fiasco, Most Def, Common. And I wanted to be like those guys. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's the... Um, that's probably the main reason why my music was or my influences were different because those were my heroes. That's who I always listened to and that's who I wanted to be like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Bucket List Tour, you're on tour right now. What are some memorable moments, experiences from this whole tour? It could be any funny backstage stuff or on the bus or whatever, pranks or what, anything memorable. Uh, there were a couple of uh, memorable things. The... The funniest thing that's happened was probably, like, uh, in Montreal. It's probably, like, low-key racism, but it was so hilarious that I couldn't even be mad at it. If you're like most people, the first thing you do when you wake up, you grab your cell phone and you check your social media apps. Include the Come Up Show part of that routine by following us on Instagram. It's where you see original pictures of your favorite artists, inspirational wisdom from our interviews, commentary on what's happening in the culture, contest, and so much more. Follow us on Instagram right now at The Come Up Show. So um, me and my boy Jay, we took a Uber back to the crib from Montreal from the show. Uh, well, back to the hotel. And, um, you know, there's this French guy. He was pretty cool, you know what I'm saying? And he was playing Justin Timberlake's uh, What Goes Around, which is a crazy record. And it was getting to, like, the outro part where it starts breaking down and shit. And he just, like, we're jamming, you know what I mean? He's like, you like that, huh? And I'm like, yeah, it's a great record. And he cuts it off. He cuts it off at, like, the outro. And he's like, yeah, this one's for you, man. And I'm like, all right, cool, you know? And he plays Gangster's Paradise. And I'm just like, I'm like, why are you playing this record? This, I'm like, why are you playing Coolio, Gangster's Paradise? Like, why is this record dedicated to me? But, like... I mean, besides that, man, um, <laughs> the more the more touching, uh, uh, I would say, uh, moments. Uh, somebody in uh, Boston gave me a full mural of myself, which was amazing. He painted it um, and gave me and gave it to me and gave me this amazing message of how I changed his life. And um, funny enough, somebody in Toronto actually gave me an eight-page letter, uh, which I an eight-page letter, eight pages. Like typed out or handwritten? Handwritten, bro. Um, I tell no lie. Uh, well, I think it's one, two, three. No, we take that back. It is one, two, three, four, five, six-page letter of um, how I saved his life, and it was pretty touching, man. I uh, I actually was like low-key, kind of, sort of tipsy, and I definitely shed a tear while reading it. It was uh, probably one of the most touching things that's ever been done for me as a person. 
Like literally This is wild And what's this person's name? Um To be honest man Like I think I signed their name? No he just gave it to me And was like No I, well his name is James James Morales Yeah he just gave it to me In the crowd He actually pulled up to um He actually pulled up to my show In Pittsburgh And he was singing every word So passionately And then he came to Toronto And he gave me this letter And he was like This is for you I need you to read this And I was like Alright man and yeah, lo and behold, I uh, it was definitely one of the most touching things that I've ever received, and apparently I've saved his life multiple times. So definitely the most touching thing that's ever happened to me so far. What do these moments, these things mean to you when you're on the grind? And you might be frustrated sometimes, going down and up, whatever. But like these things, what do they mean? Um, I think for me personally, it means that for me personally, it reminds me that my journey and. My mission is not in vain, you know? A lot of times, you're on tour, you really don't remember sometimes why you're on tour until you get on that stage, you know? People think it's, like, glorious, but, you know, we're unpacking, unloading, driving eight, nine, ten hours consecutively, losing hours and hours of sleep, eating bad food, you know, getting sick for, you know, those three hours on stage, you know? But those three hours are worth everything, so... When things like this happen, it, it reminds me that my mission and what I'm here to do and what I'm here to inspire is bigger than just myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I get selfish and I start thinking about what I'm going through, I instantly remember, man, like there's somebody that, you know, is still living because of what I'm doing. What, what are you going to do with that letter? I'm probably going to frame it. Uh, I'm definitely going to frame it, actually. This is a... This is definitely the, this is amazing to me. So I'm definitely going to frame it and put it somewhere beautiful in my apartment for sure. As a reminder. Yes, as a reminder, a constant reminder of, you know, what the message does for people constantly. And that's what it's all about. All I want to do is be the best me. All I want to do is be the best me. All I want to do is be the best me. All I want to do is be the best me, best me possibly. Upset drunk on a late night. Two shots out from a Drake light. Nigga, I remember those days when I used to bump day and night. Scott said I was on my own. Since then, I've been on my own. Nah, nigga, nah, nigga, I ain't never had a motherfucking hand out. Let's take it back. Uh, you're, you used to go by the name of uh, Quest. And should you shout out um, a barista in Orlando? Like, tell us about that story. Yes. Shouts to Amy. Her name's Amy. Her name is Amy. Was good, Amy. Was this, what, Starbucks or no? Um, Nah, this was uh, Vesper Coffee in Orlando, Florida. It's like a boutique shop. Uh, Third Wave Coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. All right, so there's another barista named, um, uh, named Bryce. And he was really, he was the first barista I met over there. And my boy John, who's my engineer, was taking me there every day. And... You know, me and Bryce would just talk about coffee all the time. And as a result of that, I met Amy, who was like one of their best baristas. And she would make my drink every single time. And it'd be amazing. And so there was a time where like she knew me as Quest because I presented myself as Quest like so. And there was a time where I gave her my debit card. And I guess my name popped up after I was charged. And she was like, oh, this is your real name. And I'm like, yeah, it's just my real name. She's like, yeah, well, this sounds completely better than Quest. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. And it just clicked. And I was like, huh, maybe I should start going by my real name. And so, of course, I had, like, really deep in-depth conversations with, like, 
five or ten of the most important people that I consider um, valuable when it comes down to opinions. And I just went with it. I was like, all right, it's time. You know, it's time for me to go with my real name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you feel like hip hop has started to move into a little more being authentic, being real in, in the artistry. Uh, and like your name change probably had to play a role in that. Like, what do you think shifted that? What do you think, you know, moved the culture that way? Um, I'm all about the culture. I love, uh, I love the dissecting of what's happening. Um, yeah. So I think because Kendrick used to go by K Dot, and I interviewed Kendrick when before Section Eighty came out, and yeah. like this is around the time when he went from Kendrick, I mean from K Dot to Kendrick Lamar, and he wanted to use his real name as well. Mm-hmm. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think um, there was a time period um, where there was a renaissance of like new rap. So like two thousands were like the age of these really really ridiculous larger than life personalities that nobody could relate to unless you're like in the streets 24 inch rims on your escalate truck literally so you had the ti's and gz's and you know lil wayne's and you know 50 cents and all these like you know even kanye's and um you know kanye was a little bit more relatable to a certain extent but like you know, you just had these really larger than life personalities that just were unrealistic when it came down to relatability. So then you started seeing these surgeons of other rappers that were a little bit more on the cooler side. And, you know, you know, you kind of saw it in Lupe and then you had like Mickey Fax and then Charles Hamilton and then Asher Roth and, you know, B.O.B.'s. And then you started seeing J. Cole's and Kendrick and Kendrick Lamar's and Wiz Khalifa's, all these guys that were way more relatable and had like a way more relatable message and, you know what I mean? Just seemed to have like a life that the average person could relate to. But that was kind of still the age of the rap star, like the, the blog rapper, you know? And I think after 2013, the tide started to shift a little bit more and R&B and soul and even to this day has still become a little bit more of a factor and more interesting um, because it's a more authentic and people are using more of their real names and their real lives and their real stories. And so now the transition has gone from you know just from the new age of rap to artistry and how do you you know project your artistry and how do you be as authentic as possible and so i think you know people and more rappers nowadays that are coming are starting to embrace who they are and show who they are and there really aren't any too much gimmicks behind it or like things that you have to kind of accumulate yourself to yeah you they amplify themselves because they're artists but you know, a lot of these guys are using their real names and they're being themselves. You know, Isaiah Rashad is being himself, Mick Jenkins. You know, these guys are, are embracing who they are, you know, naturally. And it's enough. It's enough because people believe it and it's authentic. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the rap star is fleeting, as you said. Yeah, man. It's, it's, you know, the idea of, you know, being a rap star, in my opinion, is, is completely fleeting. You know, it's really about being yourself and showing your artistry and sharing what you stand for as an artist. And... You know, there's a lane for anything now, so you don't necessarily have to encompass the world. Like, you know, there's two avenues to get to listen to music. You had radio and television. So labels were always like, well, how do I get as many, how do we get as many people as possible through these two variables when it comes down to listening to music and capturing music? You can get music and capture music in so many different facets now. So you don't have to necessarily try to gain the world. You can just gain the people who really fuck with you. So that's even more initiative to be your fucking self <laughs> because there's somebody who's going to be out there who really um, wants to gravitate towards you and hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the last few times you were here in Toronto, you were touring with Logic. Mm-hmm. What was it like uh, performing in front of that audience? Because the guy has a cult following, basically. Yeah. It was different, man. Uh, it was cool as hell. 
um, because, you know, these were like fan fans, like guys who were like, oh, my God, I will die for you, you know, for an artist. You know what I mean? And it's it's beautiful to see that. It's beautiful to see somebody that um, especially like Logic, who, you know, built a fan base that was solely for him and only cared about him. It was blind and oblivious to anything else. Um, it was it was really an experience. It, it kind of opened my eyes because before then, you know, I did like really, um, you know, like the typical rap shows where like, you know, your homies come through or, you know, you might open for DMX and it's just like, all right, well, let's see how this is going to go. Or, you know, that was the first time where I experienced like, oh, these are fans. These are like 12, 13, 14, 15 year old kids who like worship people. That was my first time experiencing fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for real. That was wild. And did you like? Did you, you feel like you gained from that? You gained fans or anything like that, or no? They were just no. I I definitely gained a lot of fans from that. That was actually how I kind of learned how to gain fans and make fans um, through touring. I I firsthand saw how touring could affect an artist and their listeners. You know, before touring, I was just kind of like this kid releasing music that people heard and. I would maybe do a show here and there and there'd be some people that'd be like, yeah, I saw you on Two Doughboys and I really fuck with that. After touring, or after seeing the effects of touring, it was like, yo, I saw you live and I've been following you ever since. You know, because you get that connection. Like, there's artists that I've heard of or that I've been fans of. Like, even big, like, for me, Big Sean, like, I've heard about Big Sean and known about Big Sean's music for forever, 2007. But it wasn't until 2014 when I saw him live that I was like, oh, wow, I'm a fan of this guy and I'm going to follow him and whatever he does, I'm going to support his albums. Because I'm like, yo, this guy's amazing live. So that was, um, I definitely gained and benefited from that. And it definitely gave me a completely different perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, he has has a label called uh, Visionary Music Group, which you signed to it, but there was a, you know, a difference of vision or whatever. And I don't understand, is it, is it not an independent label or whatever? Like, what, oh. what was the disconnect? Uh, well, I mean, as f- from a company standpoint, I couldn't tell you necessarily how they operate. Mm-hmm. Um, least, it would seem like their route is like kind of more independent or do what you want. They built their own thing or whatever, yeah. even though he still has, a, I think, a deal with a major or yeah. whatever. But it would seem like you would have more freedom to do what you want, no? Yeah, I mean, you you kind of, it's it's kind of like, I think I think with Visionary, there is a freedom to do what you want. Um, and rightfully so. It's just that what I wanted to do didn't align with what was already being done. You know, it was like a direct conflict of interest. It's like, you know, you're out with a friend, and a friend is like, I want Chinese. And you're like, well, I want Mexican. And it's like, well, there's no way around that. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, you just go and get your Chinese, and I'm going to go and get my Mexican. It's not like, yeah, I want Chinese. All right, cool. Well, I want dumplings. And it's like, oh, okay, well, cool. Well, I want shrimp fried rice. All right, great. We can still get Chinese together. You know, it wasn't like that. It was just two different worlds. And um, that's kind of how I see Visionary Music Group. It was like Visionary was over here, and I was eating Chinese for a long time. And I was just like, yo, I really think I want Mexican. And they're like, but we're doing Chinese. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want any more Chinese food. And just, that was that. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go get this Mexican food now, guys. So I appreciate it. But this is just not what I want right now. And there was no way to salvage it. Um, I just wanted to do more things. And I, I, they were just in direct violation of what they were doing. It was a label. And I was with that label. And I was supposed to get a deal with that label and that's just that wasn't what I wanted and I wanted to do something completely different I wanted to start my own company I wanted to start Wise Up and Co um, I wanted to 
accumulate a fan base that was mine and not solely off the merit of another rapper and that was just in direct conf- you know conflict and i had to leave it was it was it was like there was no other way around it or or, or any other way i would like to like try to make it work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If somebody ever asks you that question, definitely use that Chinese and Mexican analogy because it's perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was my first time using it, too. So that was makes great. total sense. Yeah. Definitely. You don't have to go into the details. You just make it like that. Oh, that's enough. Yeah, it's the truth. You know, it's, 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 it's exactly what it was. It was just like there's no way like we, we like we have to go separate ways. And um, I haven't spoken to those guys since like 2014. But, you know, I wish them all the best. And they're doing great from what I've seen. So, yeah. you know, it's no harm foul over here. If you're listening to this, you're most likely subscribed to the Come Up Show podcast. But if you're not, we're available on all platforms, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, or many more. If you have an iPhone, iPad, Mac computer, I'd really love and appreciate your rating and review of the Come Up Show podcast. It'll make a huge difference in the visibility of the podcast, which means more listeners and securing high-quality guests. Be a part of the growth of the Come Up Show podcast and give your boy a five-star rating and review. This is one of the biggest things you could do for the Come Up Show and it only takes a second. Click the link in the description below. Rate and review the Come Up Show podcast. I truly appreciate it. Wise Up and Co., which is your thing. Uh, you have a mandate behind it. What's what's the purpose? Yes. Um few purposes uh from my comp from wise up and cause and company it's a label and what i want from that label is to be able to sign artists and have them promote their message through music um that's from like the basic standpoint my overall dream for wise up in general is for it to be everything i feel like wise up has the potential to hit so many different types of facets uh that it's interchangeable between any type of company or what it stands for because wise up is it's like you know anybody can see wise up and like instantly get it you know from like the three-year-old kid to like the 64 year old grandmother it's like wise up all right cool who doesn't love wisdom you know what i mean uh, but yeah, the mandate honestly is we do what we can with what we have, and we love sharing information and wisdom between people because we feel that's how we become better as people. Oh. Yeah. Uh, what sacrifices have you made, or are you continuing to make on this journey? Um, time. You know, it's a lot of time, man. Uh, you spend a lot of time on your craft, um, on the road, uh, comfortability. You know, it's not really being an independent artist. Um, on your own it's not the most comfortable thing ever you know there is no protection or whatnot uh you're on you're you're out here on your own and you do as you please and you only attain as much as you work um you know uh you know time with family uh just quality time i think time is definitely the biggest thing that you sacrifice you know you give everything you can to music you know when you're performing when you're in a studio when you want to put out content that's where that's where everything is and everything else kind of has to fall in line with that but mm-hmm. it's definitely time is probably the biggest sacrifice and what is inspiring you i think there's a couple things that's inspiring me um i think the one thing that's inspiring me is the uh the people that i see every day you know out on the road or that i see that are listening to the music um the music is resonating with the people who listen in a way where it's helping them tremendously it's helping them to get through things um, you know, most recently with my last two singles, Best Me and Grateful, um, I feel as if the people who have heard them 
it's really been applicable to their lives, whether it's been able to save their lives or they've been able to use it in order to better their lives. That's inspiring to me because it's like, wow, there's a real purpose behind what's being given. It's not like I'm just rapping or I'm just making music for people to feel good. It's like, no, they can use this to better their lives. And um, that's bigger than me. That's that's even bigger than my joy. Like when I have those times where I'm like, I don't want to do this shit. I remember that. And I'm like, oh, I have to do this because there's a bigger purpose than just what I want, you know. And these live shows reinforce that. Absolutely. You know, even the people that the best part is like when you can touch people who don't know you and then they come out after the show and they're like, wow, I really needed to hear that. And it's like, okay, all right, let's keep going. You know, what else can we do? How else can we inspire and motivate? And, you know, I'm always the type of person where like the best thing that's ever happened to me is when somebody's spoken into my life and it's changed my perspective. You know, because then that changes you and that changes how you look at the world. Somebody can tell you something and then you can walk out the door and the world is completely new to you. And that's why I started Wise Up, because it was like, how can I promote that feeling over and over, you know, for to initiate people to share their wisdom with other people so that they can change their lives and and in reverse, you know, vice versa. That's what it's all about. You know, you, you change lives for the better and continue moving forward so you can change the world. And finally, since this is the bucket list tour, what is on your bucket list? On my bucket list, I think um, on my bucket list very immediately right now is to have a sold out show in 2017. I have yet to have a sold out show on my own. And that is what I wanted. That is one of my main goals in 2017. Where do you see that realistically happening? I don't know. Maybe it can either be New York, L.A. or Florida. I'm not sure yet though. We'll see which one uh, bites first. I think New York might. I think New York or LA might bite first though, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I wish that happens for you. And anything else that you want to leave our audience with? Or any last thoughts? Um, just stay wise. You know, keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, and um, never be afraid to take something new. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sylvan the Q on a Come Up Show podcast. If you're a first-time listener of the Come Up Show podcast, make sure you follow us, subscribe. We're on all the podcasting platforms, SoundCloud, Google, iTunes. Join the newsletter. And if you're an artist, make sure you check out our book and get a free sample of Stop Playing By Their Rules, an artist guide on how to market to fans. The link is in the description. My name is Chero, y'all. See you next Wednesday. Peace. Peace.